0: He sat, in defiance of municipal orders, astride the gun Zamzama on her brick platform opposite the old Ajib Gair, the Wonder House, as the natives call the Lahore Museum. Who holds Zamzama, that fire-breathing dragon, hold the Punjab, for the great green bronze piece is always first of the conqueror's loot. There was some justification for Kim. He had kicked Lala Dinanath's boy off the trunnions, since the English held the Punjab and Kim was English though he was burned black as any native, though he spoke the vernacular by preference, and his mother tongue in a clipped, uncertain sing-song, though he consorted on terms of perfect equality with the small boys of the bazaar, Kim was white, a poor white of the very poorest. The half-caste woman who looked after him, she smoked opium, and pretended to keep a second-hand furniture shop by the square where the cheap cabs wait, told the missionaries that she was Kim's mother's sister but his mother had been nursemaid in a colonel's family, and had married Kimball O'Hara, a young color sergeant of the Mavericks, an Irish regiment. He afterwards took a post on the Sindh, Punjab, and Delhi Railway, and his regiment went home without him. The wife died of cholera in Ferozapore, and O'Hara fell to drink and loafing up and down the line with the keen-eyed three-year-old baby. Societies and chaplains, anxious for the child, tried to catch him, but O'Hara drifted away till he came across the woman who took opium and learned the taste from her, and died as poor whites die in India. His estate at death consisted of three papers. One he called his Ne Variateur, because those words were written below his signature thereon, and another his Clearance Certificate. The third was Kim's Birth Certificate. Those things, he was used to say, in his glorious opium hours, would yet make little Kimball a man. On no account was Kim to part with them, for they belonged to a great piece of magic, such magic as men practiced over yonder behind the museum, in the big blue and white Jadu the magic house, as we name the Masonic Lodge. It would, he said, all come right some day, and Kim's horn would be exalted between pillars, monstrous pillars, of beauty and strength. The colonel himself, riding on a horse, at the head of the finest regiment in the world, would attend to Kim. Little Kim that should have been better off than his father. Nine hundred first-class devils, whose god was a red bull on a green field, would attend to Kim, if they had not forgotten O'Hara. Poor O'Hara that was gang foreman on the Ferrazapur line. Then he would weep bitterly in the broken rush-chair on the veranda. So it came about after his death that the woman sewed parchment, paper, and birth certificate into a leather amulet case which she strung round Kim's neck. And some day, she said, confusedly remembering O'Hara's prophecies, there will come for you a great red bull on a green field, and the Colonel riding on his tall horse. Yes, and, dropping into English, nine hundred devils. Ah, said Kim, I shall remember. A red bull and a colonel on a horse will come, but first, my father said, will come the two men making ready the ground for these matters. That is how my father said they always did, and it is always so when men work magic. If the woman had sent Kim up to the local jad Uga with those papers, he would, of course, have been taken over by the provincial lodge and sent to the Masonic orphanage in the hills. But what she had heard of magic she distrusted. Kim, too, held views of his own. As he reached the years of indiscretion he learned to avoid missionaries and white men of serious aspect who asked who he was and what he did for Kim did nothing with an immense success true he knew the wonderful walled city of lahore from the delhi gate to the outer fort ditch was hand in glove with men who led lives stranger than anything Haroun al-rashid dreamed of and he lived in a life wild as that of the arabian nights but missionaries and secretaries of charitable societies could not see the beauty of it His nickname through the wards was Little Friend of All the World, and very often, being lithe and inconspicuous, he executed commissions by night on the crowded housetops for sleek and shiny young men of fashion. It was intrigue, of course he knew that much, as he had known all evil since he could speak, but what he loved was the game for its own sake, the stealthy prowl through the dark gullies and lanes, the crawl up a water-pipe, the sights and sounds of the women's world on the flat roofs, and the headlong flight from housetop to housetop, under cover of the hot dark. Then there were holy men, ash-smeared fakirs by their brick shrines under the trees at the riverside, with whom he was quite familiar, greeting them as they returned from begging tours, and, when no one was by, eating from the same dish.